The D and Davis Show. D and Davis the Show. We are back. Uh, we had the highest rated NFL draft over three days uh, this past week. Uh, even though one of us hated on it, proving himself wrong again. Yeah, well, no. Thank you for always being Max no. Kellerman. Um, no. BS. Thank you, thank you, Max. Uh, everyone, even you hear Adam Schefter saying, I, I was against it, but now I know it was great. And it boosted the, the Q rating. Of see, you're Ro- already wrong. You're saying Roger Cadell. He wasn't supposed to come into this. <laughs> and you're the producer. You're just supposed to let me finish with the whole No way. You <laughs> made very unproducery. He's ready, ready to fight. Uh, fight. Very unproducery. <laughs> it must be this foliage you brought into the picture here now. Libel. All this oxygen you're getting into your all system. All the big ones. Libel, you, slander. They're all up there. Between three ferns. There you we go. definitely want to uh, talk about the NFL draft, talk about our Bears, uh, and also talk about the Bulls. Uh, Mark Easley from the Philadelphia 76ers has been promoted or given the job, not given, he earned the job as the first black general manager in Bulls history. Uh, so we're going to be looking for him and our tourists to form this new nucleus. And hopefully it will be beneficial to the Bulls team that has not been good and getting some voices from the outside and people that can look at things from a different angle from the people that were inside before will benefit the team that we so much love and desire to see some championships back here in Chicago. But uh, my name is Kenneth Davis. And you know the next guy, his name is. D. Demon Sproul. What's happening, everybody? Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. Uh, hit the bio and take you to the, to the link to take you with, take, so you can find everywhere we are. Are you down there playing with those plants? That's what I was about to say. Is he in the jungle? Because it's like he hit it, then he looked at it like it was, like you looked at it like you didn't know what was going on. It threw me off. It threw, it threw me off. He was like rubbing the plant, like, what are you doing? No. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Green. Um, but no, definitely uh, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at DN Davis Show. I'm on Twitter at Demons1, IG2 Demons1. Uh, Davis is on That's Davis. That's right. Once again, it's that, That's Davis, IG and Twitter. And Ryan Bukovsky, producer of everything, executive producer of everything. Twitter, IG, and I, uh, Twitter at Ryan B. Ski and IG at Ryan B. Ski one All right. Let's go off top. Off the top. Off the top. I got a hot take this for the flip, but I'm, I'm dropping that BS right here and right now. Oh, what you got? Uh, VP Mike Pence decided to go into the Mayo Clinic with no mask on. And for our, produ- our producer's sake, I will not make this a flip and I will not curse right now. Yes. But I'm right really now. getting, I'm, 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 I'm getting excessively tired of us acting like schoolyard children in serious situations and acting like it's fine. Mm-hmm. I understand that from the administration, they want to put out this, everything's fine and we're strong. One, even regardless of how many times and the people that are around him, Mike Pence said, you know, I'm tested often and the people around me are tested often he can still contract it and he can still pass it to someone else Absolutely. in just one second. And the fact that you're in the Mayo clinic are uh, where people go for all types of cancerous diseases and you're putting them at risk with this, this false bravado is insulting to the intelligence of all of us. Mm-hmm. And because this isn't a, a topical show, it's a sports show. I'll end it on that. Uh, I agree 100% with you. Yeah. I'm just tired. You know, it's funny uh, how just people, kind of like draw the line in the sand on certain things. Like mm-hmm. I'll do the gloves, but I won't do the mask or I'll do the mask. I won't do the gloves or mm-hmm. any of those little things. It's just like, come on. Like what, what is your goal here? Is it to be smart and limit exposure or is it just to get by or do you not care? I mean, pick a lane, 
and be smart about it and start thinking about other people besides yourself. Because I don't get how you couldn't care and I don't get how you can draw silly lines like, oh, I'm only going to partake in some of the rules, but not the others. Right. Yeah. I mean, are you shocked? I mean, the president uh, said a while ago that he wasn't going to wear a mask because he didn't like the way it looked. And Mike Pence is supposed to be the somewhat of the smarter one of the two. And he goes into the Mayo Clinic without a mask on. So talking, talking to people with masks. Everyone in the and everybody else mask. around him. Everybody else got a mask on, but he, you know what I'm saying, he just get a force field around him, huh? There you go, Mike. All right. I got and my secret service. And they're medical professionals. Yeah, I know, right? Right. That's like me moving in a room full of drug dealers and not paying attention to the vibe that's going on in the room. <laughs> Like, you know, I don't have my chunk jewelry. Maybe I should have worn three chains. I mean, just to make it ignorant for you people out there, but he's moving in a room full of people that have spent their life and dedicated. We all know how long it takes to become a doctor, physician whatsoever, nurse, whatever, people that are over there in our organization. The amount of years they have to dedicate and you're basically telling him you're wrong about this and I'm fine. And also, and I'm, I'm, of course he has to use those tests anyway, but I'm going to blow through these tests. And, Again, I know we're not supposed to go there on this show, but then the thing to come out with the four minute test went out and then yesterday to be like, well, we ain't processing. I just said they was going out. It's just, I'm tired. I'm tired. All right. Like some things, uh, if you watch the flip, there are things to play about. And then sometimes if we've seen disrespectful, I really want to say we really have no malice in when we're doing it and let us know. And perhaps we will be better if we feel that you're right. Sometimes we may not feel that you're right. But, like, regardless of partisanship, I'm just talking about saving y'all asses because I think I already had it. I'm staying away from the people that I love. I'm also trying to stay away from people that I don't even know because I would want someone to do the same for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All Off right. top. Off the top. All right. So we almost got – we was somewhat getting into a little heated discussion. Uh, before we started, so he's going ahead and pick it back up where we was off, where we was going. So I was listening to Danny Green's podcast, right? And he has a, I think it's called In the Green Room. Uh, he had Kenny, Kenny uh, Smith, Smith. Kenny the Jet Smith, a TNT and two-time NBA champion with the Houston Rockets. He was on there. But during the conversation, Danny asked him, so what do you, what would you like to see uh, how you like? How would like? How would you like the lead to start back up again, basically? And the uh, and Kenny said, like, let him listen. I know this is like a very fan uh, statement. Like Danny, you gonna have, you gonna say have to set out. He's talking to his co-hosts. He's like, man, this is just strictly fans. He said that he would like to see the NBA uh, playoffs. He said have four games, kind of tune everybody up, but the playoff will that will be in the, uh, the in the life of like the NCAA tournament. So one through sixteen. Each uh, each conference, one game tournament, go. So I like the simple fact of I just like it because it's different. Yeah. I think this I think this year is a wash for the most part. Honestly, I don't think the NBA and probably most most sports for the most part are coming back. If not, they're gonna come back. They're gonna be completely different. No fans, and then you got to worry about testing. It's a lot of things you have to weigh in to try to even get the games going to go right. But for me, listen, I know this. I know this season is a wash. In my personal opinion, it's 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 this this entire year has been a blank year. So I'm all up for it. Entertain me if you want to do something. Entertain me because the season itself that we had before is gone. I'm I'm fine with it. Ken. Dan Davis' show. Uh, listen, real quick. Mm-hmm. I saw Kenny Smith say this, and Barkley and Shaq, I don't know if D-Way may have been up there, and they basically poo-pooed him when he said it. Oh, I think it's very interesting. Uh, it could be the precursor to what uh, we know Adam Silver wants to do with the midseason tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is this. I think that if one of the top four teams, particularly three, the two L.A. teams and Milwaukee, uh, make it to the finals, 
that people will basically validate this champion, let alone if that team goes on similar to the strike sword and season when the Spurs won. I can remember Charles Barkley on TNT saying that he put an asterisk on that, that team. And I remember when they started winning titles, how he kind of commented that he removed it. I think that that'll happen. Like, for instance, if Giannis wins the title this year, People are mentioning it, but he's probably coming out of the East again at least another two times. Possibly. You know what I'm saying? So, I, again, what you're saying I would find entertaining, but the fact that, like, a team that sucks could actually make it to the semifinals, and that's why we like the NBA because the, the cream always rises to the top. So you just said entertain you. I would hope that you will be entertained if LeBron, Kawhi, or if if you get oh, Giannis yeah, no into doubt. the finals. So that to me, that's going to entertain me. And my, my next part is, you know, if this season had ended around in January or around uh, Christmas, mm-hmm. I'd be with you with saying that this season is a wash. But really, feeling like with there's just 20 games left and only uh, Memphis was the only team that maybe would lose their playoff spot seeding, rather, mm-hmm. I felt like the season was capped, especially where most of the teams were playing at a, at a higher level, even though we know that the Lakers had went through that run against the top teams that last week and a half or so. So I would like to... I would like to get back to that. Now, to go along with you, it's fine with me if you make you go old school and make it best three out of five that first series. I'm fine, but I'd be cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you want to? But because again, you're still giving the best team a chance. And then I would put it like this: if you did it two rounds, I wouldn't be as upset. Now, historically, when we start us being people that have to talk about this, Mm -hmm. I would, I would actually, I would point to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you know, it's so and so lost because of this. But again, if you got it, you're giving the team a chance to lose and gather themselves. Basically, actually lose twice and gather themselves, depending on how many uh, wins the other team has. So, to me, the NBA seems like it's going to be back in June. Like, and then like when you just said you don't think, I think now due to the economy going to open back up. And then people are going to try to get back to their bread as far as their money. Um, we're going to see here in Chicago, we had Mayor Lori Lightfoot said that the MLB probably will uh, happen this season. The Cubs and the Sox will probably have seasons with no fans in the stadiums. Mm-hmm. And I mean, every other team is going to um, go off of that. I'm having a conversation I told you before the show with our partner, Scoop B. And uh, we were just talking about how hard it would be to open everything up. And I'm just giving our own thoughts on Because my thought was, what are they going to do? Because they got this great isolation. I'm, I'm doing my Trump thing. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful isolation. They got this great isolation. But what are you going to do with that person that's a food server? Like, you can't put everybody in a bubble, right? That's, no, but that's the whole point. Yeah. I, I, listen, I'm in agreement. And yeah. what happens when players, you're testing them all this, but if, they, if they're asymptomatic initially, and uh, we already know with the antibodies, it's not 100 percent. And actually, some of the stuff like some of the stuff that we've talked about in the past that were from 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 JAMA and reputable medical associations. Some of that stuff isn't even the same stuff. Like I remember saying that it seemed like if you get the shot of the vaccine when it's ever created, that you wouldn't have to get it annually. Now, right now, that's true. But what it seems like they say could be a chance. I don't know if it was HPV, but it was one of those things like when we were in high school. Remember where you had to get like three of them? You know what I'm saying? It was like you had to take it at this age. It was some vaccines and stuff you took. You didn't take it every year. But yeah, you, yeah. You, you based had, based, like, like, based on a grade. Yeah, hepatitis, like hepatitis. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly Based on a grade you went to. Yeah, exactly. But like hepat- So they're saying it could end up being like hepatitis. So it may not be annually. Now, it could be, but it may not be annually that you get the shot. But you may have to fortify the shot more than just once. See, right. my, see my thing is, is that it's going to come down to testing, right? 
And as we, yes, we've, we've tested a lot of people in America, not based on the per capita. I mean, it's, it's, it's 330 million people in here. And I think like say what, 5 million people that got tested. That's a two lot. Percent, 2% of the people have been tested. So that means a lot of people in this country have not been tested, right? Okay. We have that established. Next thing is, okay. So when we do start to get tests, are, are, are the constituents, are the people of this country going to be cool with Mike Trout and Kevin Durant getting tested and not the people in their community getting tested? Right, right. See, I think that too. Yeah, so that's another thing they have to lay, they have to put it upon. So I keep hearing it talking about, oh, yeah, we'll have, we'll have uh, games with no people in them. I mean, that's a bad look, honestly. All the way around. It's like, oh, okay, so these, though these million-dollar athletes get the test so they can go out there and play and make their money. I'm, yes, I want to be entertained, but what about all these other tests that these people need to be getting? So that's why I'm, that's what my whole thing is. I don't think these I don't think these leads are really going to. I could be 100 percent wrong, but I don't know if these leads going to really start up. Before second, you jump in, second, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. No, I want to say the second thing is is that I'm fine with this being an asterisk because of what's happening in this country. I'm fine with people saying, well, you know, that was kind of weird. I'm cool with that. That's just me, though. That's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it being an asterisk. I understand the situation that this country went, not even country, I understand what this world has went through right now. And if it's something that they just want to roll out to just do something different, I'm fine with that. Now, now, am I, now is Kenny Smith's idea probably going to roll through? No, it's not. You're, you're, you're more likely going to be correct, Ken. It was it's, not enough money. it's not a money be gained either. True, too. That's, not, that's, a, good, that's a very yeah, good point. Like, that's yeah. a very good point. It's very you good. only make money, I believe my dad used to tell me growing up, they have to get to like after the fourth game is when the league starts making money. Start making money. So you have that right there. Also, too, you have uh, just a simple fact of, you know, like you said, like not enough games or whatever, but it's just a lot of different layers that uh, that probably won't make it won't make it happen. Oh, I know what I was going to say. You only had twenty. You only had twenty games left, so it was already kind of solidified. So if you have like another four or five to kind of try to figure out the last seed in the West. Okay, you can do that, and then you just roll right into the regular regular playoff scenario, which is probably what's going to happen. But I think I think Ryan, it still comes down to the testing and how and how this country kind of figure that figures that out. Yeah, I'm, I mean, for me, when I, you first kind of brought that up as the off top, the, the thing that, that I had the most problem with, and Ken, you alluded to some of this, it's like the sportsman in me. I can't have playoffs mess around with because that title asterisk, that's just too important. I mean, how many times we talk about championships and stacking them compared to other guys and then they'll say, oh, well, that was just a shortened season. They just got in there because of that one game playoff, blah, 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 blah. You know, how many times we point out that's first team lockout year championship. It's always lockout year championship. It's never just mm-hmm. one of their championships. It's going to be the COVID year. Designated. So I have no problem with them trying stuff in the regular season, go ahead with the shortened year and everything. But if we're going to cheapen the playoffs, I mean, for me, like let's do a seven game series and have less teams in there then, or something like that. Let's have the best two teams from each conference go seven games. Like, let's make sure we make okay this real. Okay with the old MLB pennant race. But do you think it will be cheaper in the play on the court, though? So if you have you have somebody to say, yes, yes, you have one. Why? Why? I mean, if it's do or die, well, if, it's, if, it's, if it's do or die. Because let's say Memphis goes on a roll. We know Memphis isn't the right. most talented team. Right. Well, it's a few so we're going to miss out. All I'm trying to say is, you know, I, th- I would think, based mm. on the players and these guys go out there and play, I have to play to survive when we talk about professionals. Dude. This is like the NFL, right? Dude. Wait, Only wait, one wait. game and then you go. No. I'm just, I'm just they don't play that, but they, don't, they haven't played that since college and they were one and done. Yeah. 
So, yes, it's, it's definitely cheaping it because basketball out of most sports, out of all the top four sports, gets to the root of who is the best because there is a very there's very little volatility like a goalie in hockey or a defense just picking it up in, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in NFL. Or, you, you know, you never know really in the MLB, especially if you're just going off of money. You know, maybe that team would get, but you never know. So, again, again but one thing, Ryan, and you said this is about the, the Spurs championship. We don't we, – we count that now. Like, we don't – because we know they're a dynasty, mm. we count it. Like, if the no, Bills – I'm not saying they don't count yeah, it. It's just yeah. – it's always – But we don't really – no one – but no one's like, yeah, but that one title they got wasn't real. Like, yeah, we – Four more. Yeah, we saw – like, like if the Bulls would have won that year, people would have been like, yeah, that's the they, – they, that was the, the, the one. So, to me, at least give whoever is the victor the chance so it's not truly an, and purely an asterisk. And it would be if you make it college basketball. So, uh, and, which, and again, D, it would be very entertaining. That's not, that's not the oh, question. Yeah. It would be extremely entertaining. But the problem would be, and we've seen teams, we'd be like, how did that team go on a seven-game win streak? And it's like, dude, like if you sit there, and again, it, it, a team, yeah, but look, like, let's just say the 76 76ers won. We know they weren't the best team in the league this year. You know what I'm saying? Even if they were good last year, it would really still be like, and, they, and chances are they may not even get back. Or a team, and again, they were a team that were peaking, like the Heat. Like, yeah, the Heat are peaking, but none of us believe them to be championship contenders. I want to give even those guys a chance, but particularly the guys who have earned it throughout the season, who've put up the, the, put up the record and deserves it, all of them are starting from the same base. One thing we haven't talked about, though, is that there been, have been talks to open up in some markets and where there's really no COVID or the restrictions have been lessened, and in other ones, they can't. So what would happen if teams would get an unfair advantage because they can go to their actual facility compared to player X would have to go to some other spot or some part, part out of their market. I was watching the news today, and the Lakers have basically said they may go back before L.A. lifts the ban. So LeBron's not even waiting. He's like, I know this is my chance. I'm going to get mine. And if, look, if LeBron wins the title, none of us, I mean, if you're a LeBron hater, and even like, I'm not a LeBron hater, I love LeBron James. So I always will validate his titles. I could mention it, but we already knew he was one of the favorites to win it this season. So holding it against him would just be, you just want to hold it against him to me to some degree rather than just be honest with, he had one of the better teams before we closed shop, that team was playing extremely well. So again, I think it would, it would be uh, Kenny just Smith's idea as we be really entertaining. But to me, it doesn't make sense. One thing or two, do you mention the test part? And I was having that conversation with Scoop. I think, and we saw this from the NBA and the leadership that it took uh, when they were the first uh, uh, sports league to say, you know, we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And everyone else had to fall suit because if something would have happened, people would be like, why did you do what the NBA did? Mm-hmm. Uh, even college basketball finally had to do the right thing. And we know how much they hate to do the right thing. When it gets to the testing part, I think they would kind of, kind of wait until hopefully the tests were a, a, a lit, bit more accessible for us because that's what I feel too. Like people are going to be like, how did you get those tests? Just like yeah. with the Utah Jazz, with the 76ers, with Toronto, with those teams that played against Utah and how the whole team had been tested. Mm-hmm. You know, like how did you get those tests like that? Like that would be something. But I, the NBA being a team, I mean being a league that is somewhat P, very PR savvy. Let me say somewhat very PR savvy and usually social and progressively conscious. I don't think they would take that stumble, but you never know. All right. Off top. Go ahead, Ryan. Um, If you want to continue with it, go ahead. 
Uh, no, that's fine. The only thing I was just wondering, what if James Harden were to win it in a one-game playoff? Right. So Westbrook, well, we all count that. <laughs> that would be kind of dope, though. <laughs> yeah. But we would know. We know it would be – but it would be super asterisk because they have no chance to win right, the title. exactly. Right? Like, uh, no chance. Well, we're playing against none of better. Step up. Ryan, what you got? My off-top – I want to talk about uh, the United Center's personnel moves over this last week. We got Mark Eversley of the Bulls being hired as GM, and then John McDonough, team president of the Blackhawks, being fired. Megan Malachy joins us now with sports. Megan, some breaking Blackhawks news within the hour. Yeah, stunning news, really. The Blackhawks have fired John McDonough, president and team CEO, since 2007. Now, under McDonough's tenure, of course, the Blackhawks won three Stanley Cup titles. He helped change the culture of the team and elevate their fan base. In a statement today, owner Rocky Wirt said, quote, as difficult as it is, we believe it was the right decision for the future of the organization. After Rocky Wirt said, uh, he was going to bring back everybody in the front office and the coaching staff. So any thoughts on either side that shocked you or impressed you? What'd you guys think? I didn't, I didn't see the John McDonough um, firing coming. Although I did see on um, Twitter, I believe, Oh, who was it? Someone, well, a former black Hawk was on the score, 670 score here in Chicago. And he said like, John McDonough would get on players if he didn't look at him in the eyes when he shook his hand. Or he said one player came up, came to a, a season-ending event. Or it was something that season-ending. Like the season had been over, whatever like that. And he had flip-flops on. And he said John McDonough lost it. So... Well, you I know, mean, we've heard about John McDonough in these I was, I was going to say that. Yeah, I ain't going to put it out there who said well, who. Well, you don't have heard, to. You, the ain't. point is you don't mention who said who. You left it where right. I said it. I ain't. You just got to do all that. that. There you uh, go. No, no. You don't say who said nothing. We heard in the streets. We keep going. But you're still implying. Oh, you actually, you just implied too that we already knew it. So obviously, we've been hearing things. So, um, yeah, it w- it was it would be interesting if 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 uh, Rocky Worst and the Worst Family kind of took the uh, maybe had the ear or I mean, listen to the players. Maybe like maybe that could have been something. Uh, also, too, the team has been struggling the past couple of seasons, like two or three seasons. So maybe he just felt that a change was going to come, and boom, he just gone ahead and did it. As far as the Chicago Bulls, man, I mean, this is an interesting move with Mark uh, Eversley. Uh, the one thing that jumped out to me is his time at Nike and him working with or trying to, in a sense, kind of recruit players to obviously uh, be on a Nike brand. So he has that, uh, he has those relationships with guys as far as like trying to get them on the corporate side and then moving into the actual league and doing very well for himself uh, as well. So, um, I like I like the move for Mark Eversley. We try to see exactly what goes on. Um, Artur seems like he's been seems as if he knows the ins and outs and knows the guys around the league as far as the personnel, a front office personnel that that can come in and 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 strengthen his weaknesses. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, John McDonough served his time well. Um, he revitalized the brand. Uh, People go separate Three ways. Stanley Cups? Three. Yeah, three. People go, people go, I mean, and just think about where he took them from market-wise. You know what I'm saying? Like, Dale Talon still deserves his props on the player side with what he did before Stan Bowman took over. Um, but still, market-wise, coming over from the Cubs, um, look at what he did. You know, he basically applied what they did with the Cubs when the Cubs really weren't winning, that, but still gained market traction. Uh, he applied that to the Blackhawks, you know, bring, giving them an annual convention, so on and so forth. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so he he did his thing, and it, it, re- it reached to a point. I mean, to, I still don't know if mutually he wasn't ready to do something different because, I was, like, what's more to be gained? You won three titles. You're not going to win another one soon because of that cap, that damn Canadian dollar, right? So you're not winning anytime soon because probably. I mean, who knows? It's hockey. Anything it's hockey. can happen. But but also, what's the fourth title to him? He got three already to where there may be new Boys coach. win three. Yeah, but there's still maybe new pelts to put on the wall. And also, those hockey pelts don't matter like an MLB pelt. Like, so what if he goes back to the MLB? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's – there's I mean, other... he's a, he did this at original six team, and Chicago hadn't won for years. So if you yeah, can I mean, stack I, up Stanley's Cups to put the Blackhawks, that's huge. Dude, but, dude, we don't – this hockey is not held to the same high degree of plateau – uh, that you look at the other three sports. I mean, that's we don't no, talk it's, about. It's, it's in this sport. That's, so that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say, though. But it's yeah. but B. If you can get three there and go get one in the big three, that's better than having four there. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's 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 dude. If you can win titles in two in, in, in uh, two of the big four sports, it's not better than having another hockey title. That's that sounds crazy to me. Like Reinsdorf saying, like my one World Series championship is more valuable than six Bulls championships. Nah, dude. That's not. But that's no, no, no. That's not what I said whatsoever. That's not what I said. I'm saying one championship versus one championship. You're saying Reinsdorf compared all of his his basketball championships to. That's not what I said. I. Okay, a new championship in, in, in a new frontier compared to one more championship in the same frontier. That's one on one, and one's in a bigger, a, a bigger. Fr- I mean, a bigger sport. So that's what the, I'm not talking about. Forget the other three. I didn't say that at all. Um, and also, we realize people get to a certain point in the road. They want a new challenge. Like he, he, he flipped it already. He's he's already flipped. Yeah, he's done it. So all I'm saying is, for a guy that was initially what a 20 year baseball guy with the Cubs, mm-hmm. there there's other frontiers to take on. Oh yeah, that's I'm all sure, I'm saying. I'm, I'm sure he's going to try to do that's that. That's what I'm saying. He's conquered hockey, right? He didn't even get into. Listen, he may not even gotten to doing marketing, whatever for sports, CEO, and on the business side. He may not even got into it to do it in hockey. Rocky saw what he did and brought him over. He like you. You know what? The Cubs got rid of me. Theo and them came. The Rickies got rid of me. Basically, I could stay in the same market. I still knew, as you were saying, this is a brand that that, that could flourish. He flourished it. Like they have the they have the biggest attraction in hockey. You know what I'm saying? At one Thanks. point, just like just like with Theo. At one point, it's as Theo did with the Red Sox. It's time to go on. And Theo, guess what Theo did? He went to a team that was worse off than the Red Sox in championship desperation and broke through then. Compared, so you're telling me that Theo, if Theo won another Red Sox title, it doesn't mean more than the one Cubs title that he won? It's within the same league. And you're talking, no, about, no, niche, no, you're talking no, about niche sports and stuff now. No, no, no. I'm still putting the value. Nope. Listen to the value. The Red Sox now are a totally different organization, and they are winners. So winning again with the winner isn't the same from showing, you know what? Because you still had uh, what, Larry Lucchino. You still had higher-ups over Theo over there in Boston. He came over here, and he was the, he was the president, not the GM. He was the president. So he put more value on him. Like, look at me. I'm the man. I did it there. I did it here. I think that most competitive people, that kind of pushes them. And I'm saying the same about John McDonough. I think I, well, Ed, that's also assuming that he wanted to leave. He could have got fired. He could have got pushed out. Maybe he didn't want to leave. We don't know. You know? Uh, but no. I mean, I, he I, was released, technically. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't, doesn't seem like basically, maybe he was ready to go. He basically got fired. So, you know, I mean, it's possible that maybe he wanted to go on and do something else, but his ass got fired. Um, but I mean, it's it's one thing to say like oh, 
I went here, I did this, oh, I did this, and we won championships, and I went to this place, I did it too. That's all cool. But you're talking about dudes who made dynasties in one place. Theo Epstein made a dynasty in Boston. John McDonough was part of a dynasty in the NHL. To go off and, and, and then Theo came to Chicago Cubs, and listen, this is the, the, the loser, club, loser team in Chicago as far as winning championships, obviously a very popular team, had won a championship in over 108 years, and they was able to get, they was able to get that championship, boom. That, that's great. You know what I'm saying? He's going to go down lower, no doubt. But he made a dynasty in another place. He didn't make a dynasty here. He, Theo Epstein is probably going to be gone. It's one thing to be a part of a dynasty and go somewhere, but man, you if you was Dude. part of if you if you was part of something and making a dynasty, man, that's 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 Dude, that's something. You want the boy? You turned the Cubs around, and it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't even like the White Sox year, dog. If they get the turn of a ball in two of those in uh, NLDSs, who know? And I'm just and this is baseball. So like, I don't listen again. There's definitely more to it with the dynasty, yeah. but when you take the Clippers. And win a title with the Clippers, mm-hmm. that means a lot. And also, you're still not putting, doesn't mean you're still not putting a value on the chance to build a dynasty in a, with another team. You can't build a dynasty with another team until you go. You already built a dynasty with that team. I'm just talking about winning a dynasty compared to winning one championship somewhere. But the, when the dynasty, the dynasty, I'm, I'm, I'm over with the dynasty. I'm, I'm not arguing that, but the dynasty is over. Like, that's the thing. The dynasty, like, only out of the old players, and I've learned some of these young kids can come up, but really all you got is Kane, even though Taze played better this year, but we know the truth, and I've been saying for four years to trade Jonathan Taze. You got Kane, all right? Like, you're not, uh, listen, unless your goalie gets extremely hot, you're not winning anything. That dynasty's a wrap, all right? So... So it's okay to now try to go for a new adventure, like trying to stay here and maybe trying to eke into the playoffs the next three years. Why? If, especially if your boss is like, you know what, dude, you've done your best for me as far as bringing me that bag. I don't want to probably pay you as much as I had to pay. Think about how much he had to pay John McDonough to come to the Blackhawks when he was with the Cubs and the Blackhawks was trash. That's not what I'm arguing, but Rocky, right now, the return on that investment isn't the same because you're not getting more fans through those turnstiles because you're already the biggest attraction in hockey so as far as what you what, when you were paying john mcdonough and your fortunes were low your turnstiles were low there was five thousand people in there that you, he got you on television like yeah you needed to pay him that to get here but now you're here and you're still paying him this and it's like dude i'm not getting the same return on my dollars you know what i can right now and this right now the sun is the interim right now so who knows how long that's going to last but he's telling you right there we can do this in house i don't need to give you that as much as i was giving you before I mean, that could have been a reason why he got fired, you know, but this is all assuming also, too, that he wanted to leave. We don't know yeah, if he wanted to leave. That's it. Correct. All right. Uh, all right, cool. So we're going to come on back. We're going to get into a little bit more NFL draft and The Last Dance, season ep- uh, episode three and four. All right. The Ian Davis Show. What's up, everybody? It's Cameron Smith from CBS2 Chicago. You're listening to the D and Davis Show. There may be some plans to get baseball players back in June. What can you tell us? Well, there is a plan, Joe, but I think it's more wishful thinking than reality. I mean, when you just consider the logistics, I mean, 30 teams, traveling parties, you're talking over 3,000 people in total, players, coaches, medical staff, front office staff, 
in a few ballparks in either Texas or Arizona, and that's even before you get to the negotiation over what will you pay the players, because owners would be putting up the money to get the teams there, and they would be playing in front of no fans whatsoever, no gate money. So, I, you know, it's great to think about. I hope it happens. I kind of doubt it will. Well, I, I think um, it sounds great in the abstract to be able to watch baseball on television. I think we're all jonesing for baseball on television right now as the weather mm-hmm. warms up. The problem is, is the first player, you have these incredible investments in these great players uh, when a player goes down with COVID. And then another player uh, contracts COVID. Then you're going to see the MLB scrambling to say, well, never mind. So I think it's a really risky thing to do, especially if they're planning on doing it as soon as June. Um, Maybe they can manage it later in the year, but it worries me. As much as I miss baseball and miss my Cardinals, I still think this is really putting the players um, at risk for real health complications. D and Davis show. We are back. Uh, a little breaking news as we were uh, just talking. This came this case, This just came across WGN.com. Uh, the report MLB considering division realignment for late June start in home ballparks uh, says uh, fans might be able to watch the Crosstown Classic a lot more often this summer, albeit on TV. According to USA Today's Bob Nightingale, Major League Baseball is considering a plan to do away with traditional American National League, League American National Leagues, realigning all 30 teams into three geographic divisions. So here we go. We're in Chicago. This will be for the Central. It will be the Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, the Milwaukee Brewers, St. Louis Cardinals, Detroit Tigers, Cleveland Indians, Cincinnati Reds, Kansas City Royals, Minnesota Twins, and the Atlanta Braves, which is Got interesting. Please mess around and win the division. Um, the proposal aims to begin the season spanning at least 100 games. About the end of June, the team uh, in uh, the, in June in teams own ballparks without fans and ahead of expanded playoff format. And also, too, uh, at the end of the story, is saying that the MLB, this is one possible uh, scenario that could possibly happen. Another possibility is considered having uh, groups of teams playing Arizona, Texas, and Florida because those teams have controlled climate stadiums. Uh, the new Texas Rangers stadium hasn't even been played yet, played in yet. Uh, my only concern to that is kind of like what we talked about on the flip. If you haven't, uh, if you missed it, check it out. The casino circulated air. Now you don't want that. So I don't know about that, but this is a possibility. What do you guys think? Uh, my, right, uh, just r- really quick. It, it sounds impossible that they're going to just bus around these players to all these oh, different locations they'd be, geographically. They'd be flying. They'd be flying <laughs> they got the charter jets. Flying, right? whatever. This like, is major, major league. Like Everybody get on a bus. Exposure. <laughs> I, said they gonna be bu- I mean, I get the point that you're trying to make. You're right. You set the bus and run. You're you right. The bus. So my thought was this. All right. The real detriment to this, because compared to I was just telling D before you rejoined, Ryan, I like this more than the 16, the, the tournament style basketball situation because one, I won't get, and I know I could go probably to Wrigley to see him perhaps, but I won't see him as much. I wouldn't get to see Russell Okuna uh, and Albies as often as I would get to see. And I was saying to him, like, damn, they're going to take this damn division away from us. And I'm in Chicago, not just the Sox. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but still, that you have so many teams playing against each other, being entertaining. But I'm, it can, and it's along the lines that you just said, Ryan, as far as infection. My problem is this. When you're making it regional, you know what you also you're doing? It. 
you're making it easier for people to travel and see their teams. Mm -hmm. And that kind of defeats the purpose of kind of making sure we at least squash this during the summertime when people in a neighboring state that wouldn't be able to go see their team because usually probably may, perhaps, I mean, you have the Cubs in Milwaukee, but sometimes with the neighboring state, you may not have, you'll have a team that's AL and one's NL. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like in Missouri, uh, you know, like down there or whatever, you know, like with St. Louis and with Missouri rather. I don't know. Uh, if, I don't you know get what that, I mean? I mean, Missouri and Missouri is what I'm saying. I don't, yeah, know, I, don't know, I don't know if that'd be a, too much of a, I don't know. If, I don't know if you don't know fans are being the stadiums though, yeah, right? Fans, I don't think right. Well, you're right. You're think right. about, think about Wrigley where they put that new TV so they can't, control the sidewalk, right? What if everybody just started lining up? I was going to say, what if I got out of the But but the point that I was still going to make is, you know what? Man, dude, we see it with St. Louis all the time. People, that's part of their summertime. You know what I'm saying? It's a culture. Yes, to travel to your rival city. Yeah, to travel to a rival city. And just to say that because they may not be able to enter the stadium, they still be able at that point to enter the bars around that stadium. I still think it's going to be an enticing factor to people to want to travel more. I don't know. Listen, I don't know if travel is going to be fine or not. I'm not a doctor, so let me lead off with that. I'm only pointing out that I just wonder if that's going to increase the risk of infection from state to state, city to city, with people traveling to see their favorite team. It's still going back to my initial thoughts is, okay, this is cool. Basically, you merge the NL and the AL division, uh, AL, uh, uh, all the divisions based on the regional uh, standing. But uh, it's still coming down to testing, man. It's still coming down to testing. One thing it did also say, it says that while Nightingale reports league executives are optimistic, all of this is pending approval from medical experts and increased COVID-19 testing. It's still coming down to testing. You know, it would make a lot of sense to me, the division alignment, if they did, if they merged the two plans, you said. Mm -hmm. If let's say that whole central division was in Texas playing, in that mm-hmm. one stadium, maybe you could get that done. I just don't think that they're going to be able – like Chicago to Atlanta, that's not just some easy travel where you're not going to be seeing anybody and limit all exposure possible, mm-hmm. I would think at least. Also, let's be honest. These leagues haven't been forthcoming with how many players have really been affected by this. If you just look at nationally mm-hmm. the amount of people – and these, these people are spread out amongst the country – Mm-hmm. And you and you don't and mind you, they were in spring training. Let's just say the MLB, they were in spring training when this happened. Meaning they were all congregated together. You look at basketball; they were playing when this happened. And if you think that they're going to let us know because they don't want the risk to look like they're just looking at it like it's not as serious, that more players in these uh, organizations didn't catch it and they're just not being forthcoming with it. I don't know what to tell because they're not immune to it. I mean, they may be because of how healthy they are immune to the risks of, of, of uh, the mortality risk. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the fact that as far as infection rate, if you don't think guys that are naked in the, and I'm not saying it in any type of nasty way or trying to make it seem salacious, but guys that are showering together, playing ball together. Oh, exposure. It's just a, the, a, yeah. it's not even like compared to us. Yeah. We don't risk. We don't naturally risk ourselves in those type of fashion. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to highlight that. Oh, yeah. No, no. One other thing I was kind of thinking, and I wonder what you guys think the leagues might do. Let's look at, like, baseball. Let's say a few pitchers, like, blow out their arm. Are they going to have, like, a pool of players that they're going to be able to just call up? Or is it just like, hey, we'll test whatever free agents are out there, and if you're clean, then – 
come on in. But if you fail the test, well, yeah, I mean, they had the, they had the minors. They had the minors. That's a good one. Yeah, but we don't even know as far as how, like, you know how much like how much money you have to spend to isolate the minor leagues. Like, I don't Damn. like so. They like, you want to pay them? That's what I'm about to say. Yeah, it's true. I forget. So as that. much as as much as you have to do now with not just isolating the players and the coaches, but also the service people for those players, because that's where to me it's going to get in. Let alone the family interaction. And we know they've said they're going to take take them away from their families. But to your point, like, dude, you, first of all, you're playing with uh, something that gets tossed around to different people, all right? The mm-hmm. All the time, and mm-hmm. it's just the, the, the chances of someone getting infected. Like, dude, you're I not. Why would they wear a glove on their on their throwing hand? Some people, I mean, how many pitchers? Most pitchers don't want to do that. Maybe not the pitcher, but maybe everybody else. Maybe so, maybe so. But I mean, but guess what? If the pitch is infected and he's throwing the ball around, it's on your glove. So as soon as you be like, man, <laughs> get, some, get some of these sunflower seeds. Exactly. <laughs> cold, cold. Like, yeah, but look, look, what you just pointed out, though, that's like that's their natural reaction. That's why I see yes, anything gonna happen. Some players, but see, I, I would. To me, I'm fine with if it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not a person opining that we have to do Damn. sports this year. Right. But I think I, when we, they're telling us now, when you're listening, like, listen, dude, we helped y'all out. We got some, something. Pe- some people got to die again. I mean, unfortunately, I, it's not from Dean Davis. They're telling us we're opening up the markets that we have to open up the markets. And that's what we're going to do. And they're starting to show us basically by June, the markets are probably going to be open again. And we still know that some people are going to be sick. And I mean, oh, me personally, yeah, me, me personally, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to where I can still bring in an income from here. Mm-hmm. If I couldn't, I would probably be outside trying to make any type of uh, ends meet uh, to help my family mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, but it's, it's hard. I mean, so it's, again, I don't want them to open it up, but how far are you going to take this? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm already saying that. And it, I'm, one thing, I, I, my last point, I know we don't like to get political on the show. I'm happy to be in a blue state with a blue state governor. Because it's less BS when it comes to just facts coming across. I may not even have to like what Prisker says. And I wasn't a person supremely happy with Prisker because he didn't reveal his tax returns. And you can't be mad at Trump for not giving up his tax returns and say it's okay with Prisker, mm-hmm. regardless of what party you ride with. But when they said that basically it's return in the fall, dude, let listen. Let's be honest so that in the fall, we got more computers for these kids when they have to work at home. It makes no sense that we're in this country and, and that you tell me if this ever happens again, there's not a, at least a half million ventilators somewhere stockpiled ready to go. Mm-hmm. The type of country we are. So it's like, I'd rather have someone who's being upfront with the problem because if you're being upfront with the problem, one, we can call you on if you didn't remedy it when it hits again. But probably if you're going to be upfront with it, you're going to try to solve that situation rather than being someone that's always saying it's a situation situation isn't really true right no 100% right 100% right D and Davis show all right let's go ahead and get to y'all want to go draft y'all go last dance where y'all want to go draft draft yeah let's do draft all right NFL draft all right so listen as Ken said to kick off the show this is one of the most uh it was the most or one of the most no this was the highest rated the most they got what is it 55 million people watch this I mean nobody else got a damn thing to do you got nothing to do let's watch the draft let's watch the guy who who uh seventh round you know said ran him some shorts and uh I picked you Mr. Irrelevant Mr. Irrelevant yeah you definitely got those somebody somebody saw him so listen Chicago Bears didn't have a first-round pick. Which they can't even have this what? year. What? They can't have what? The parade for Mr. Relevant. 
Oh, yeah, right. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, Chicago Bears uh, had a couple. Had a couple in the second round pick. Uh, two second round picks, I should say. Uh, some fifths and sixths and sevens. Uh, definitely jumping out to us, Ken. I would definitely say is uh, Cole Commit, uh, local boy here, tight end coming out from Notre Dame, and Jalen Johnson from uh, Utah, cornerback. Uh, one of you and Utah. Listen, everybody think like, oh, it's Utah. No, Utah have one of the best defenses in the Pac-12. So this kid is coming in possibly is ready to start. I did want to ask um, uh, Dion Miller this when we had her on earlier this week, but Johnson come is coming in. We had already what three shoulder shoulder injuries, shoulder sh- uh, surgeries, shoulder Ooh. surgeries. So that's something that I think is going to be kind of. Two of them were like in high school and first year of college. He'd been healthy for a while, and then he played on a full torn labrum the whole whole season. Right. I mean, your body still get cut into surgery, surgery. But coming into the league now, you know, it's a pass pass the league, going to get focused. Uh, Cornerbacks are going to get a lot of play. But, uh, Ken, I'll kick it off with you first, man. What do you think about the Bears draft and the first two picks, obviously? Uh, I thought Cole Commit was a gimme. I think for the most part, from a month and a half, two months ago, if he was there and it was rumors where he was going to be there, mm-hmm. you thought it was a good chance that the Bears were going to pick him up. Um, and, Ryan, cool. and Ryan's been calling for him all time, all season, too, last season, I should say. Yeah. I like, locked him. Yeah. I, I think so. That one wasn't – you didn't do much with that. That one uh, – Get that man hater. his praise. Get that man his praise that and his, his, his three furs. That was too simple, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, but no. Uh, but I like – but listen, even with the fact that, it, you know, he's been splitting time with baseball and football at ND, um, you like the fact that, one, it makes the uh, – the, and again, we can all Jimmy – I mean, poo-poo it, but it makes the Jimmy Graham pickup look better because now you have an inline blocker to go with the you guy. You know what I'm saying? Because And it's not a you guy that's like – and again, you want to be better than this, but like Adam Shaheen, where it's like, yeah, you know, he could kind of move, but he's not really fast. Like, kids fast, mm-hmm. um, seems agile, physical, uh, and more to grow. I like it. I really like the Jalen Johnson pick. And again, I like the Cole Commit pick, but it's, it's, it was expected. So it doesn't, it's, it doesn't jump out to me right there. If you, if you were anybody in Chicago and Cole Commit was still on the board at 40, you pretty much knew he was probably going to be a bear. If they didn't take him at 43, maybe they risked someone picking him up and would have waited to 50. Uh, Jalen Johnson with the first round grade, even though due to his shoulder, uh, when you got a talent that everyone is predicting to be a first, uh, first year starter yeah. automatically uh, with that type of height and that type of press coverage ability, uh, knowing what you, you, you got here uh, as far as how your coach uh, Chuck Pagano likes to play. And see, even when you look at the fact how Chuck Pagano played compared to Vic Fangio, Vic Fangio wasn't really bringing that heat. So, yeah, those cornerbacks was playing a tad bit more, not a tad bit, but more zone. Uh, and that's why you had a Prince Mukamore here who press coverage really isn't his thing where compared to Cal Fuller it is, especially with his length. Um, so I, I like it because now when we know that Chuck Pagano likes to bring that heat and those corners got to be out there by themselves, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I like that you got you a guy. And now even though we've hoped and prayed, and I'm not dissing it, I mean, I wish Trey, uh, Trey Robeson the best, but now it doesn't look like the Bears are silly because even if Trey Robeson proves to be very good, if you would have came into this year and the transition for him going to the CFL and the NFL was a schism, mm-hmm. people would be like, what the hell are you doing? You know what I'm saying? And, but at least now, and even if we're putting all of it on Jalen Johnson, but at least now there's so much competition in that room. It should be a quality starter going along the other side of Cal Fuller, right? 
Yeah, I think uh, probably overall looking at the draft, they got value at every spot. Everybody kind of agrees that every player they picked up, that was the right fit, except for probably Cole Komet. He probably got drafted too high. Mm -hmm. And I know Hub was saying he had about 12 prospects that were higher up than uh, what Cole Komet was. And on top of it, too, there was a lot of guys falling down that weren't expected from that first round, like Jalen Johnson, that they could have gotten. I mean, they could have gotten the next player after, I believe, was Trevon Diggs of uh, Alabama, the cornerback. Stephon Diggs' brother. Yeah. Right. Maybe they would have gone with him or some of the other guys that were considered first round talent instead of Cole, but he obviously fits what they need. They need to get this tight end going. They have to get it and with Demetrius Harris, Jimmy Graham, him, and then a nice competition for the four and five spots. That position doesn't look as weak as it did last year. And then all the way, the rest of the way, Jalen Johnson, for as much as Cole Komet was a reach, Jalen Johnson was a steal and more at yeah. 50. Like, there was no reason why he should have been there other than, I guess, the shoulder issues. But, man, Tua went five with way more issues than this kid. This kid is good. I mean, he was a playmaker. I love yeah, that they showed a, a highlight of him just picking up Jacob Eason and taking it to the look, house. And the even more, look, Ryan, we're going along with what you said about Tua. Tua has bad wheels for a mobile quarterback. Right. This guy just has a bad shoulder, and he played through the whole thing through the whole season. Yeah, he missed, like, no time. I think he missed, yeah. like, one game. Did you, guys like, read, he he did you guys read on how why he uh, decided Utah and everything like that? Mm-mm. So, so you know, his father was was definitely hard on him, training him up. Uh, but he seems like he was always a really mature young cat, and he had he had scholarships from USC and UCLA. He's a California kid. Oh, okay. He went to so this wasn't like oh Utah was the, the highest place. Mm-hmm. He went to Utah because he wanted to graduate in three years, and that he was going to get early playing time there, and yep. he did both. Yeah. So, and the system fit what his strengths were. So this young man has been mature beyond his years for a long time. All right. And everything you hear coming out is terrific. Uh, I think we all and like just go ahead, go ahead. sorry. Two more guys to keep an eye on for if we have a season, assuming we'll have a season Mooney, Darnell Mooney, the receiver that they got with all that speed. The speed. Yeah. He's definitely a project. He doesn't have enough size, but they can use his speed. And, you know, Matt Nagy loves using receivers in different ways. They can use that and be an impact. And then this Travis Gibson, this pass rusher, he can be a rotational guy. Maybe Mark Anderson. That's what – dude, first of all, you stop. Because that's what I was going to say to Dion. And I was just about to say it, and you and I was going to say it. Travis Anderson interests me. <laughs> I didn't mean to say he's Mark Anderson. I was going to tell Dion. I was like, it, it, but in a better way because you you put Mark Anderson out there as a starter when you should have left him in the position that you should have yeah. left him in. Mm-hmm. And right now, you know that when you have Quinn and you have Khalil Mack, unless one of them's hurt, you probably aren't going to do that. Now Quinn's probably not going to be there for five years, but he should probably be there for at least three, three. of those seasons. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when you look at a raw, athletic guy, Bendy. And Trevor Gibson now, and you're asking him to be the third guy coming off when those linemen are tired. Man, now you t- right. you're, t- you're t- and then uh, making it better than Mark Anderson. You're not playing in a four three in the three four. You're giving these guys room to run and get that. And he plays. He plays great with a hand and hand down. Too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I definitely everything you said. Uh, even when we look at uh, Kendall uh, Vildor, he was raised. He was raved. The one thing you heard, and this is the thing if you paid attention, of course, from the nights that we've been uh, allowed and you know, the, the host on the score, and Ryan always uh, sets up our guests and does a fantastic job for us. 
Um, the thing you heard was when you started here the, that those hosts, like you mentioned, like a hub. I heard Mark Grody on during that that second, that third day. Yeah, that third day when they started hearing, you know, through channels what the national people were saying, because you can only scout so many people. And that man, people were raving on Avildor and his mm-hmm. press coverage, and like so. And you're 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 not even looking at him as being your nickel this year. Because you still have Buster Screen. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at, you know, okay, dime packages perhaps, maybe sometime in the nickel, but dime packages, letting him get his feet wet, and then maybe the year after starting to implement him as your nickel guy. This draft, now, I mean, Arlington and Lachavius. Mm-hmm. Listen, is that not, uh, uh, what what was the, uh, uh, what's the name from uh, Mad TV guys that got their own show? Uh, uh, Keenan and Kale. Listen, Keenan that's Peel. a Keenan and Kale football uh, Keenan thing. When they, yeah, Keenan Peel, when they kept doing like Latavius Shavarius Johnson. <laughs> like, when I saw Latavius, I was like, and when Don was on with us, and she was like, I was like, yes. Because yes. I was like, when I first saw I was like, Latavius. Right? But uh, listen, with the two two uh, guard tackle guys, seem like swing guys, and uh, Arlington, Arlington, Hambright, and Latavius Simmons, Simmons who knows with them? But I think the picks above them, there was a lot of value. He went ham in the fifth. If he hits on two of them, and I won't say he hit on three of them, but I think you may get value out of three of them. But he hits on two of them in a draft that you didn't have a first or a third or a fourth. Damn, son, you you did your dizzle. Hey, listen, yeah. Pace has usually been able to hit on guys late in the draft, mm-hmm. not early in the draft. So let's see if this comes out. So one more. I have a question for you all. What did you all think of Hurts going to Philadelphia? Being drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, I, I can't. Carson Wentz obviously has been banged up. Mm-hmm. It seems as if kind of a lot of reports coming out. At least people we've talked to that he, I mean, they like him, but they don't like him like him like that. You know what I'm saying? It was ready, it was ready to arrive for Nick Foles, but the players. Started, the players, the players, the, the players, not so much the fans. The fans are crazy anyway, but the players are ready to was, uh, would ride for Nick Foles and not so much for Wentz. So, what do you all think about Jalen Hurts uh, being picked up uh, by the Eagles? Well. The problem is the fact that they should have gotten a receiver earlier. And I like the kid they got. Is it from CS- TCU? Is yeah, what... Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager. I like Rager. Uh, me and Ryan talked about it. I still worry about some of the top end uh, with Rager. You know what I'm saying? Like some of the top end. And like if you're looking at the value as far as helping that quarterback. But. You have an injury-prone quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like – the thing is, in this situation, especially with someone whose job has been up due to the fact, even though he was a phenomenal quarterback three seasons ago in the second year, someone took his job. Well, it didn't take it. He got hurt. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And went to, the, and went to the, 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 to the Super Bowl and won it. And then he got hurt the year after – and they were just, they were close to getting back to the Super Bowl again. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it, when you, when, when, the, when the backup quarterback is, is a slight threat, even though your quarterback's tools, tools wise, tools wise, Carson Wentz has the tools. Absolutely. As you alluded to, some people worried about if he necessarily had the total team behind him. But you bring in Jalen Hurts, and I like the fact that they're being honest with the fact that, you know what, especially in a weak division, even though Dallas had a phenomenal draft, yeah. right? But in a weak division, when we're comparing it to last season, uh, and also a team, a division where there's all turnover in the NFC East. The only team that doesn't have turnover as far as the head coach is the Eagles, right? Everybody else is in a, a, a shortened season, and they don't have any OTAs. They're doing it virtually, 
right? How are you implementing your, your, your offenses and your defenses, especially if there's different verbiages from the past regimes or whatever. But so I like the fact that for a hurt quarterback, they got a guy, but also for different packages, they got a guy because if you can right now use him eight really as a, a better Taysom Hill, you can use him as a better Taysom Hill because he's really played quarterback at a higher level. You know, you're talking about right. Alabama oh, yeah. and Oklahoma. Oh, so yeah. even if he was looked at as a run first quarterback and you look at the numbers that he put up last year at Oklahoma, uh, so and you saw that he can get it done with his arm, even though Oklahoma, everybody's damn near open, uh, basically. I, I like it, but still – if I was an Eagles fan, I, f- I wonder how I feel about it because it would be cool, but I also would have wanted some value for the guy that we hope is our Hall of Fame quarterback going down to the future. Now, Ryan, I did. I just brought up uh, – for both of you guys, I just brought up uh, Carson Wentz's contract. There's an out after the 2022 season uh, where it's like three years, $81 million, $81.8 million. So it's a potential out. For who, though? Carson Wentz. Oh, like saying who, like, who can he like opt out or no, can he just cut him? No. Uh, is it a player option or is it a team option or is it a mutual? Mm, let me see if I can find that. I mean, but that's interesting. Even if either way, obviously if it's a player option, he's going to take his money, but it's interesting that they draft this young guy, as you just said, Ken, he has quality uh, skill set to come into the league and potentially be a starter, and they draft this guy, and it's a potential out. But let me find that. Let me find that clause. It's still going to take years for him to be a real star, like at least two seasons to be a real star in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, like at the situation, because this is the thing too, and you look at it with Green Bay uh, Packers taking Jordan Love in the first round. These teams know that you don't win Super Bowls with quarterbacks that are in the top five percent as far as their contracts. And sooner or later, you got to start getting back. So you know what? Even though he gets us to this point, part of the reason we only get to this point is because of how much money we're paying him. And when we can get back into that rookie quarterback deal or uh, a lower deal as far as let's just say you have a, a quarterback like if uh, Jalen Hurts succeeds, uh, um, uh, works, that he can sit there and when you try to sign him to a deal, he may take a lesser deal initially because – he, where he was drafted and on top of how much production he has at that moment, similar to what Taysom Hill did down there with uh, New Orleans. And he talked about how I think I'm a, a, a lead quarterback. And even though he got 21 mil, he's basically just getting $10 million a season. Then you can take advantage of that guy and be like, you know what? I can get a couple years out of him on the lower side before we really, if we decide to give him that big contract, if he's our guy moving forward. And Ken, you know, I thought the same thing. Taysom Hill, is this what they're kind of going for? Seeing maybe get add a playmaker to that offense. Certainly it gives them that extra security having a quarterback in case Carson Wentz goes down. And the Eagles, I think, have since come out and said that they really believe, especially in this COVID season, that the backup quarterback is very important for this mm-hmm. year. And that's part of their thinking. Uh, I think that, I mean, the writing's clear on the wall with Carson Wentz. He has the talent to do it when he's in there, but he has been inconsistent and he hasn't been durable enough to stay in there where you can really count on him. That's the biggest even, thing. Even that deal he signed, like, yeah, it was a big number, but in terms of overall quarterbacks, what they're getting, it wasn't a crazy huge number. It was mainly based off his potential and his draft status and what he did that one year right before he got hurt. He's going to be the MVP that year, probably. He was going to be the MVP. Yeah, we're quick. So, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Finish. Uh, uh, finish, Ryan. Finish, for please. Me, I think that Jalen Hurts, 
that's a great situation for him. He can really learn and develop right behind Wentz. He's got a good quarterback-friendly coach and Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. If he can come out and play well, I think they'll be happy, like you said, Ken, to get on a rookie quarterback contract and get Carson Wentz out because they're not too far away talent-wise from be competing for another Super Bowl. And Dan Davis show. And uh, one thing about Philly you can say, they may be a rabid fan base and crazy. Unlike a lot of cities, they let up some black quarterback. All right, from yeah. Randall, Cut, Randall Cunningham, Donovan yeah. McNabb, to Mike, uh, Vick. Mike Vick, you know, so on and so yeah. forth. They love him a little color on their quarterback. So, uh, but I'll say this too, to go along with the Carson Wentz thing and not looking at it as a negative, his contract. Carson Wentz did the right thing because let's not forget what's going on in Dallas with Dak. They want him to mm-hmm. sign a five to six year deal. Carson Wentz contract is going to come up when that new TV deal is. That's why you have Laramie Tunsil. Did y'all see the headlines that Laramie Tunsil reported on ESPN? Mm-hmm. He, no, said, he, man, he said, I was speechless looking at the contract I got. He negotiated his own contract with stupid old Bill O'Brien, right? Mm-hmm. And he had advisors with him. He got 66 mil guaranteed for three seasons, all right? Mm-hmm. And he hasn't even proven that he's a credible damn left tackle yet, and he flossed their ass, right? And wow. the thing is, it's three years because what? Because he's going to be back out there when a new TV deal comes in. The same with Carson Wentz. So it's probably his out because it gives Carson Wentz, if he was pre- performing at that elite level, another crack at big dollars again in his young age. It says 2020 mm-hmm. option must be exercised by uh, maybe March 27, 2020, or 2020 salary jumps to $31.383 million and remains void. So that's the so that's the option. But it still didn't say who the out op, the no, option yeah, was. I bet you it was from Wentz because it's probably from Wentz. Everyone knows that with that new TV deal, and that's why Dak wants another crack at the apple. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, no, 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 get outside four. But I want to get back at that get back get back up there in that market, and that's probably on Wentz. And there's nothing wrong with that. It should like we, 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 smart we smart business. He got a right. ton of QB money right before he he was supposed to even get it. Basically, he wasn't even in his fourth year, and they gave him that money. He was hurt, and now he's going to. So he has solid money already in the bank. It's counted for. And now, if I can get back to where I was two seasons ago. Listen, they may not want me, but guess what? There's going to be a few teams out there that will pay me premium dollars. Yeah, he's, he's, he's Kirk Cousins. He's what, 26, mm-hmm. 27 years old? 27 years old right now? So, yeah. still still fairly uh, pretty young. What, uh, what, whose draft did you like the most? For me, I guess, even though Baltimore had a good one, Mel Kuyper was capping for it. Not capping, he was he said he liked it, even though he's from mm-hmm. Baltimore or he resides in the area. Mm-hmm. I really like Dallas's man. Like, yeah, Dallas went in like we're trying to win. Uh, we already got Gallup. Uh, we sitting here. We just signed uh, Amari Cooper to this money. And dude, we're going to bring in CeeDee Lamb. And the thing is the flip. Oof. The thing with the CeeDee Lamb thing is that Amari Cooper deal is now about two years for real. Because if he's not operating at a premium level then, they're going to look, because sooner or later they have to give Gallup some money. And then you got CeeDee Lamb right there. And then that keep that has a plethora of tools, basically, right? Like, think about the fact that you your, your job, in a way, is to stack the box and to sit there and stop Ezekiel Elliott, even though their quarterback was the MVP last season. Mm-hmm. And you gave that emerging quarterback a premium weapon to CeeDee Lamb. And just the picks that they had even after that, Dallas had a phenomenal – shout out to Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones. 
They had a phenomenal draft. Uh, I'm I, hats off to them. I'm with that. For me, it was unfortunately a team in the Bears division. I really liked what Minnesota did. Minnesota the Bikes. Yeah. Bikes, yeah. Like Justin Jefferson was one of my favorite players coming into this draft, and so they got him. I thought that was great. I don't know if it met, mixes well with Adam Thielen because they're both kind of slot guys, but I really like the player. No breakaway guy right there. No take it off the top guy right there. Even though he right. ran, he ran a better forty time than people expected in Justin Jefferson. Remember his brother being down at a QB down there uh, at LSU, uh, but still uh dude I, i'm with you even though they lost a lot of guys but they definitely had the better draft to me D, and they, they just sorry, got Lonnie. a lot of guys they just D. got a lot of guys and i like gladly uh the one thing that jumped out to me i say within the division is actually the detroit lions you got a cooter and you got swift you got a, one of the top rated probably the best corner uh cornerback in the league and you got swift who down there in georgia man who man you get listen if you let that dude get any kind of one-on-one action it's over. He's, he's swifty. He, he can go ahead and do his thing. So that's the scene that kind of jumped out to me. Minnesota definitely did. Uh, they had a lot of picks. Uh, Baltimore looked good. So, I mean, I, I like what the Bears did. But I think with the Lions, I kind of like I, li- I like Akuda and I like Swift. One other team, um, even though they didn't go offense at all, I kind of liked what Carolina did, especially mm. with Derek Brown and getting the Penn State pass rusher. Talk mm. about rebuilding your front on the fly. Two of the best prospects on the interior line. I like I like getting Ed Slayer at the back of the first round with a, such a phenomenal offense. That was great. Team. That was that's going to be fit. scary, dude. Perfect. That's going to be so scary. And and they haven't lost anything. Like it'd be different if they was filling a hole. They haven't even lost anything. So that one I definitely like. But real quick before we get out of here, let's switch to the last episode of Last Dance. Let's call it love. I think Mike had a lot of confidence in me to knowing that I'm going to be there for him. I'm not going to let him down. I'm not going to let the team down. I'm going to let the city down. No. Rockman clears the defensive board to the goal. Nets gave it a whirl, but just did not have enough. The defending champion Chicago Bulls knocked off the New Jersey Nets. 100 to 92. Dennis is what held us together when Scotty was up. He had to really focus to make us as competitive as we were. We adapt, and we adapt quickly, and we're off and running. Rodman battling for the rebound, saving it in! And Chorus snatches it out of the air! Throws it! Now that's that's winning basketball. Those are the plays that Dennis Rodman does to make his team great. Awesome. So we finally got episodes three and four. Uh, the first episode focused on Dennis Rodman, I believe. And the the second, worm. Yeah, the second episode, continuing from Dennis Rodman, focused on the team the Bulls had to get to get to prominence before winning their first title, and that is the Detroit Pistons and how hard that battle was. And it's still, I would say simmering, but ignited fires from the players on those two rosters. Uh, we talked about this a little bit with uh, Luke Kanellis. Uh, you, you can check out that interview right now. You can go look at it after you get through watching this. Uh, but listen, uh, I said to him, the bitter pisses, even though I finished going even deeper into that, and some of the stuff, like Isaiah went too far when he kind of was like Buddha Edwards and that John Sally brought a mentality to the Bulls team. And Stephen A. Smith on first take was trying to, he tried to get on him. But the thing that he didn't say, and everywhere I'm watching the debate show and you need to hit on these points, he didn't say that enough that that was the second 3 P. He made it seem like that maybe one or two of them were on the first 3 P team. 
So you already had a championship team. Even though he said some of the Bulls taking some of their defensive principles, it, that wouldn't bother me, uh, even though it's taking something away from uh, Bach and Clemens. Uh-huh. But that doesn't bother me. But to say that those players necessarily fortified them when the Bulls won three titles before any of those players ever stepped on the roster was mm-hmm. a bit much, uh, to say the least. Uh, but it was good to see good old rivalries uh, that still are f- festering. And they're not hurting each other. I'll say this. Now get off it real quick. I'll say this. Um, I like the fact I would want to see these, these teammates from these two teams in one room together. And at first when I was thinking about it, I was like, I would like to see them separated. And I was like, you know what? I'd like to see them a little close just to see if anything will pop off if someone would swing a Lambeer or if Lambeer, Lambeer probably could because <laughs> he's a, a coach in the WNBA. It wouldn't look right. But I would, just like how they did the bad boys and now they're doing this, because we don't have, we don't really have teams that we care about right now in our modern society that have this much hatred to each other and it's lasted this long. Bird and Magic basically hug every time we think we see them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have it where even like, and the Knicks never won a title. So compared to how the Knicks were, like, there's at least a real true, even though the, the, the Knicks were a rivalry, uh, with the Bulls, but at least it was a rivalry because one team won and then the other team won when it came to the Pistons and the Bulls. But I would love to see these, all these guys in the same room together. And I like to also uh, point out how people kind of played around with was just rhyming on drugs and I, I, I liked it because people still showed their affinity for him because one person was like, yeah, the drugs. And maybe Jalen uh, Rose was like, yeah, the drugs. And I was like, ooh, you was the first person to finally say it. Right? <laughs> Everybody else focused on like alcohol. You know, sometimes it'd be like, the alcohol, but they like, but we partied. And be like, Mm, yeah, you're doing something else. But D, what'd you think? <laughs> well, I'd say well, before the uh, documentary started, I said the one person I was looking forward to kind of seeing, seeing a lot of was Dennis Rodman. And mm-hmm. that and that third episode was pretty, really cool. Just a simple fact of I never knew, at least I don't remember about the whole thing about him doing a vacation. And oh, they, they said it. They said it when it happened. Yeah, they like they needed a vacation. It's like Dennis was gone. They said it when we were kids. He was like Dennis. They they said that Dennis left. They uh he uh I didn't remember that. And then a super Mm. fact that also the story is that Michael Jordan had to come get him. Michael Jordan was saying like he ain't coming back. But who went to go get Michael Jordan up out of the hotel room with Carmen Electra hiding? You mean Dennis Rodman? I mean, Dennis, I was just, Dennis Rodman with Carmen Electra hiding up under the covers. That was an all-time classic story so right let me, there. Let me get up in there. Also, too, Dennis Rodman chugging the Miller, I mean, uh, the Miller Light and hopping on a uh, motorcycle and driving off. Like, damn, they're showing everything. Okay. So, but that was pretty cool, man. Dennis, the Dennis Rodman episode was really, really good. We already had his 30 to 30. We know his backstory. But kind of seeing how, you know what I'm saying, he felt bad because Man, Michael, Michael Jordan need me? Oh, my God, Michael Jordan need me? Man, he come pip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They kind of threw him off a little bit, and he needed a, a little a little bender right quick, you know? So that was really cool to see. And also, too, listen, I'm I'm over the Pistons and the Bulls rivalry. I don't want to see a bunch of 60-year-old men, damn the 60-year-old men, bitching about something that happened back in 1989 or 1999. We ain't got no I'm, sports right now? I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, Ooh, I'm Dude, I'm the over. type of – listen, the, the Scotty Zeke – the hatred alone would be enough because he doesn't respect Scotty. Scotty hates him. Scotty, oh, listen, but I, like I said, like you said, 
We already know this. Ooh, but we, we have never seen, seen them go at it. We've never seen them go. Listen, it's and the, it won't happen. The ish it, it talking. Listen, I bet you this. In the next three years, it's a chance you're gonna get some of these players in the same. Because you know what? They love to. They love to get money off of them. And also, think about this too. I know what. what? We're going There's to going to need to be COVID programming moving forward. They don't do it. I think okay. the only one. I think the only one. You heard it here, Ryan. You heard me, right? You heard me, right? <laughs> I heard you. I, heard you. I right. think the only one who would probably come out and say something wouldn't mind doing sit down because he like to talk about talk all the goddamn time is is John Sally. He'll come out and be on both ends. He tell you all the story. He give you all the dirt. You know, what I'm I spill the tea for everything. But I don't they ain't say nothing about Robin's wife and what what they've kind of the, the Pistons. I say this with all that because the narrative that Isaiah wants to portray is you know, he said it on first take today when he wanted to go to Vegas. It may have been a scream for help. And they like to act like everything went south is when he got here. No, yeah. no, no. It went he south. About that in the 30, it went south at the end in Detroit. Yeah. But one thing too, they, and I'm not going to get into the, the, the salaciousness of it. There seems to have been at a time a situation with Dennis Robinson's wife, and that's why he ended up in the pickup truck with the gun. And the Pistons never, and it's it's really deeper than that. They never talk about that for this to be this team-oriented organization that Zeke wants to portray. And again, a man has to deal with what a man has to deal with, but you can't act like he's a grown man in this situation, but here he doesn't have to necessarily be a grown man in this situation. It has to be across the board. All right, Ryan, real quick before we get up out of here, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, besides, uh, I guess, what you guys were talking about, I thought it was interesting with the Phil background because I didn't really know Phil's total background and Mm -hmm. hearing about the Puerto Rican leagues I thought was cool. And and just seeing, like – kind of how we talked about Jerry Krause being the villain. Like, they're still where Jerry Krause is cool-ish, where Phil kind of likes him, everybody kind of likes him. You see Phil dancing on the bus and stuff mm-hmm. like Or, I'm sorry, Jerry, Jerry dancing on the bus. And I just, you just know that that's going to get worse and worse, and it's just going to be so interesting to see how it continues to play out. Yeah. All right, D, real quick. All right, D and Davis Show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Best Davis, at Brian B. Ski. Listen, we always appreciate it. We'll be back with Westworth Flip and Dan Davis the Flip. Uh, please continue to stay listening to us as we bring you a lot of great interviews. And Ryan keeps doing the great work. We always appreciate it. Don't do anything crazy. Keep hands to yourself. Hey, Bears fans, this is Ryan Bukovetsky with We Are Rico Radio and the Dean Davis Show to break down a little bit further on the Bears draft uh, that was completed over the weekend. And, you know, overall looking at it, I'm sure we've heard all the analysis, but probably the best takeaway is really the value that the Bears got with their picks. Uh, starting with Cole Komet at number 43, Number 50 was Jalen Johnson, Cole Komet, the tight end out of Notre Dame, Jalen Johnson, the cornerback out of Utah. At 155, Travis Gibson, defensive end from Tulsa. He'll be more of that edge rusher, outside linebacker, but also probably going to be used on a defensive line as well. Uh, Kendall Vildor, cornerback from Georgia Southern. He was picked number 163 at number 173, Darnell Mooney, wide receiver out of Tulane. And at 226 overall, Arlington Hambright, along with the following pick, number 227, Lachavius Simmons, offensive guard, Tennessee State, Hambright, a guard from Colorado. So going back to the top of the list with Cole Komet, probably the biggest reach, I would say, of the entire Bears draft, Uh, he did... A lot of good things in college, but uh, still a little bit raw at that tight end position, and we know how difficult that 
transition is from college to the pro game. He certainly has all the physical tools that you would want at that tight end position. He's got to get a lot better in his technique, especially when it comes as a blocker. But in terms of how he can potentially help this team right away, it's no secret that Matt Nagy needs tight ends for his offense. And we remember that playoff game in 2018, 2019 technically, but against the Eagles that year, and they lost, and Trey Burton was going to be heavily used in that ball game until late Saturday night or just the night before when he couldn't come because of a, a lockup in his groin. Uh, it's, it changed the entire game plan for the Bears, and offensively they couldn't do much. And when you look at the following year, this past season, nothing out of the tight end position, and the offense struggled much more than it did in 2018. And I don't think that that's just some weird coincidence. It's a big deal when Matt Nagy can't get the right personnel to run his offense, and we know how important that tight end is in this Kansas City Chiefs-style offense. So even though they had nine tight ends going into that draft and they pick up Colt Komet, obviously uh, everyone's freaking out, thinking that uh, the Bears have too many tight ends. What are they thinking? Don't worry about that. They're obviously going to cut down to the right number and, and get to uh, probably five tight ends. And when you look at that group, Jimmy Graham, Demetrius Harris, Cole Komet, and there's about four other guys that are going to battle for that fourth and potentially fifth tight end spot. So you should have a pretty good competition there. You should have a good variety of tight ends. And now maybe the Bears have figured out a way to solve one of their biggest needs offensively and that is getting reliable production out of that tight end spot and again with Cole Komet how can he come in and help you this year well he can definitely be paired up with any of these other tight ends and take use of his athletic ability because he can be lined up outside as a receiver he doesn't have to always be on the line of scrimmage and that's probably an area where he might struggle a little bit in his first year so getting him outside, putting him in different formations like stacks or bunch formations to give him maybe cleaner releases off the line, he can definitely be a guy at six foot six and all that giant frame of a man. Uh, there should be enough of an ability, especially because he's very good at going up and getting the ball and, and catching the ball at its highest point and taking it away from anybody that's trying to battle him for that contested ball. So. If he can just be that reliable hands and a, a guy that can get open, that's going to be huge for the Bears. And then you look at number 50, Jalen Johnson. For as much of a potential reach that Cole Komet was, because he probably should have been drafted at about the number 50 spot at the earliest. 43 is a little high, especially with some of the players on the board. But Jalen Johnson was not supposed to leave the first round. And if he was going to leave the first round, he was not supposed to be available anywhere near 50. It would have been very high into the second round. You would think probably within the first 5-10 picks. Now, he did have some shoulder issues, and that is certainly a, a contributing reason why he fell to the Bears at 50. And I know a lot of people are probably holding their breath a little bit with the shoulder injury, and that is definitely a concern. Now, he's had three so shoulder surgeries, and two of them came pretty early on. I believe one was in high school and one was early college. So he was showing a little bit of durability and being able to keep those shoulders healthy, and then he tore his labrum his senior year of college. But he didn't miss much playing time. I believe he missed only a game or a handful of games his entire college career. So even with a torn labrum, 
He's still put together a really good season. He shows a lot of the things that the Bears like. And really, he looks like Kyle Fuller out there with maybe some more playmaking skills in terms of uh, playing the ball. And if he is that type of player, we know how great Kyle Fuller has been and how well he has fit into this Bears defense. If you can put two of those guys out there, man, and you look at, again, what the Bears did in free agency, adding all the pass rushing help for Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, you would think that these corners are going to have a lot of chances at footballs being thrown up in the air because quarterbacks are going to try to release that ball quick knowing that they've got a lot of pass rushing coming at them, which brings up the next pick, which was all the way in the fifth round in Travis Gibson. And he was a little bit of a surprise pick, I guess, if you will, because no one really thought the Bears would go much defense outside of the defensive backs, like safety, cornerback. And getting Jalen Johnson, you kind of figured... They might be done at the defensive back position, maybe pick up a safety, but uh, really, when you saw a defensive end, it was a little surprising. But what I really like about this move, besides the value, because again, value from this pick all the way through is going to be high marks for Ryan Pace when you talk about his fifth round and seventh round picks. Good value. Players that fit where they're supposed to be drafted. Not a lot of reaching. Not going to just get guys that fill needs. No, he's going out there and he's getting uh, quality players, and that's what you do. You stack up quality players and don't let your needs dictate you. And back to Travis Gibson, he's a very natural, raw pass rusher. And, uh, you know, the name that kind of comes to mind for me is Mark Anderson in terms of that potential role this year. If Travis Gibson can continue to develop, you know, going uh, into this defensive coach's room, with all these great guys, and especially if he plays it all on the line and works with Jay Rogers, who's great at developing uh, guys with their hands and using their bodies correctly. So if he can get more into that, get the fundamentals, get the technique, they could have a pretty decent pass rusher on their hands. Maybe not somebody all-time great or anything like that, but you don't really need anybody all-time great. With Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack as your starting outside linebackers, Really, if Gibson can just come in and be a reliable rotational pass rusher, come in probably on third downs or obvious passing situations, give guys like Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn that breather and still come in and give production. If Gibson can do that, boy, uh, certainly Ryan Pace has found himself a really nice player there. And you can never have enough pass rushing, just like you can never have enough corners and uh, so on and so forth when it comes to the NFL. If you can get a lot of pass rushing, that can cover up a ton of holes, not only on the defense, but also the offense. So I'm sure Ryan Pace had that somewhat in his mind. Then moving down to Kendall Vildor, the cornerback out of Georgia Southern. Uh, a little bit of a lesser-known uh, player, but he did have a tremendous game against Clemson, which really put him on the map. And this was back when Kelly Bryant was a starter before uh uh, Trevor Lawrence took over as the quarterback of that squad, but uh, Gips, or, I'm sorry, Vildor had himself an interception in that game and didn't, I think, allow a completion with any of his receivers. And, and really, he was rising and rising at Georgia Southern until his senior year of college where he had a little bit of a dip down in production, and that's what really pushed him into day three of the draft because he might have potentially been a day two draft pick because a lot of people like him, and he figures to translate more on the inside at the nickel cornerback spot uh, versus Jalen Johnson, who's going to play on the outside. 
But you look at what they have. Buster Screen, obviously, at the top, but that's a pricey veteran that once his contract goes up, they're going to need a guy there. And Duke Shelley was picked up last year. He's going to be competing for that primary backup spot at the nickel corner. And now, same with Kendall Vildor. And he projects as a, as a pretty decent nickel corner with his size and speed that he's going to be an interesting prospect. And if they can find a way to develop him and maybe make him into a, a, a good corner, that's obviously going to be a great pickup in itself. But he will also give a lot of uh, benefit to special teams this year. He's looked at as a very good special teamer. And I would say that uh, certainly with the Bears, that's been on Ryan Pace's mind as some of these defensive guys that he's brought in, whether it's free agency or the draft, guys that can come in and help you immediately on special teams, which is so, so critical because this Bears team, you know, we look at that defense, they took a little bit of a step back. We still feel they can get elite there. Offense, we don't really know yet. You know, they were so far towards the bottom of the league, it's hard to think that they're just going to turn it around and even get to halfway in the league, let's say 16th rated offense, because right now they're in the low 20s to low 30s. That's where they've been. We don't know what they're going to get out of offense. That puts an extra emphasis on getting special teams as solid as possible, because as we know from the Lovey Smith era, if you can win two out of three phases consistently each week, you're going to put yourself in a lot of positions to win, even if your offense is struggling. So, uh, again, a really interesting pickup in Kendall Vildor. Probably going to help more so down the line, but could be an impact player when it comes to special teams. Uh, really, the, the first offensive player since Cole Komet, an interesting prospect, Darnell Mooney, wide receiver out of Tulane. Speed. That's the big thing with Mooney, if anybody's unfamiliar. Speed, 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 speed. And the Bears really needed a receiver with speed. It, it would have been great to pick up you know, any type of receiver because they needed help there. There's not a ton of depth. But especially if they could get a speedster, a guy that puts fear into defenses, like, hey, we got to have somebody over the top of this guy. And that should open up a lot more things in the middle of the field and the underneath because those safeties can't just come up and sit on the ball. And uh, with Moni, his big thing is getting those hands right and strengthening his body. He's only about 174. He needs to add some weight. But again, those hands are a little bit of concern. Wasn't the most consistent in college with that. If he can correct that part of it and just be a guy that Nagy can scheme open and use in all types of ways as a runner, as a receiver, as a decoy, whatever, he's going to be able to use Moody in a few fashions and if he uses him effectively, you would think that Mooney could have a pretty big impact this year, even if he's only getting a few reps a game because of his rawness and just his size and, and worry about injury. Almost like a Tariq Cohen, where you don't want him out there too much, because probably the NFL game is going to batter him up a little bit, especially early on until he builds a, enough size onto his frame that he can kind of be a little bit more durable. But regardless of all that, very interesting pickup because speed, 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 and we know how critical it is for the Bears to get some extra speed in this draft. So they were able to accomplish all that with Gibson, Vildor, Mooney in the fifth round, which was pretty nice by Ryan Pace. Did have to trade up a few times, and I know a lot of people were not too happy about that aspect of it, but really only gave up next year's fourth round pick. Not too much of not too many future assets and he was able to still get some really nice players that can help him out this year because really that's been the theme this offseason for the Bears who can help us out this year which brings us to 
our final two picks, Hambright, Arlington Hambright, and Lachavius Simmons. Both of these guys, the offensive linemen that Ryan Pace chose, a lot of people felt that offensive lineman was available to them potentially in the second round or any of their picks after and would be an area that Ryan Pace would focus on. But I think one thing where you are a little bit forgetting with this offensive line is there's a lot of invested in this offensive line. It was highly unlikely that Leno or Massey were going to be replaced with how much the Bears are paying them. And I know personally myself and any Bears fans that are rolling their eyes with that, I understand because that is an area of concern, to be honest. Unless Massey and Leno look more like 2018 versus 2019, it could be a big problem. And then you look on the interior, still thinks James Daniels, uh, whether it's center or guard, is an ascending player. He's only 20 years old, so still just very raw and young. And uh, I would think as he gets older, gets more of that man's body, gets a little more strength in his upper body because he's got all this strength in his lower frame, probably has to be a little bit stronger in his upper body. If he can uh, just continue to make the strides that he's made and, and really take a big step this year, that would be huge. And we know Cody Whitehair is a solid piece. So really you're looking at one spot and you say go out and draft that guy. But you do have Alex Bars, who was uh, picked up by the team and was on the practice squad for some of last year. And he was a guy that could, many considered might have been a day two, day three pick last year in the draft. He went undrafted. Uh, because of some injury issues. So if he can get himself going, if he stays healthy, which it seemed like he did last year, maybe he's a guy to watch out for. They still like Rashard Coward, so he's an option at that right guard position. And then you bring in Jermaine Infetti uh, from the Seattle Seahawks. He's another guy that has NFL starting experience, and you could probably kick in at that right guard position if you wanted to. Maybe the Bears just felt that they really didn't need an immediate player to help on the offensive line. But when you look down the future, you're definitely going to have to make some changes at that tackle spot. Whenever Massey or Leno become cheap enough to kind of move on from, I would think the Bears are going to have to put an emphasis on that. The one thing about Lachavius Simmons, he's a guy that is huge, has a lot of upside. Maybe like a Charles Leno, who was also drafted in the seventh round. He projects as a potential tackle down the road. Maybe they can develop him over these next couple years, and he could be a guy to watch out for as a potential replacement for Massey or Leno in 2022, 2023, something like that. Arlington Hambright, he figures to be more of a guard. And going back to Simmons real quick, he does seem to be more of a guard type, but he does have the potential and the physical tools to maybe kick out to the tackle, which would be great. Because if you got yourself a tackle like Lachavius Simmons, who can play out there, and then you pick up Hambright like I was going into, him at that potential right guard spot or anywhere, it's a big-bodied man, same like Lachavius Simmons, a lot of raw physical tools that are intriguing. It's up to Juan Castillo, really, the new offensive line coach of the Bears. If he can get these guys headed to the right direction, I don't expect them to really participate this year in terms of their contributions. But we always know, same thing like we just said with pass rushers, you always need linemen, whether it's defensive or offensive. You need those guys consistently coming up through your system, through the pipelines. you got to consistently draft those positions every year and you got to give yourself a chance to to kind of build your offensive line consistently and not allow years of uh, ignoring that position and all of a sudden your offensive line falls apart and you're in big trouble so these two guys we'll see what they do down the road but uh, overall again looking at the Bears draft 
the big thing that I really liked, Ryan Pace got a ton of value. You didn't hear from any of the analysts and experts that, you know, he's consistently reaching on this guy, on this pick, on that pick. When teams consistently reach, that's been a big problem for even the Bears in the past. You know, a lot of guys have been misdrafted, and you got to really make sure you get value because that's really the only thing you can control in these drafts. Who knows how these players are going to respond to the situations that they're coming into. Not every situation is the right situation for a player who's being drafted. Sometimes they have to go to the right place, and that's why a lot of these guys maybe don't work out. So with the Bears, getting that value, getting a lot of pieces that fit, and a lot of pieces that can potentially contribute starting right away, it, it was a pretty overall. It was a pretty good draft overall for Ryan Pace. I, I don't think you can really give too much criticism. Of course, down the road, three years from now, when we can really grade these prospects, we'll come back to this draft class. But from the looks of it, Ryan Pace at the conclusion, really the draft is the conclusion of the 2020. Or, I'm sorry, of the offseason, but this draft conclusion of the 2020 offseason, and look at what Ryan Pace has done with free agency and the draft. He's really rebuilt this Bears squad to have a lot less holes from what it seems like, at least on paper. We got to see, obviously, when these uh, players get together for training camp, OTAs, and then obviously when, hopefully, the games start rolling around. Uh, that's when we'll get a little bit better idea of how this roster was built. But when you look at last year, all the holes and all the problems, and you look at what the Bears have done to try to resolve those issues, I would say the Bears have given themselves a really strong chance to fight for a playoff spot this year, assuming a season happens and all that jazz. Uh, with this uh, pandemic going on. So clearly uh, players' health and everyone's health is first and foremost. But assuming we get games... uh, I would think that the Bears are in playoff contention for sure. With an extra playoff spot being added to each conference, the Bears were right on the doorstep last year, somehow went 8-8 eight eight with all the problems that they had, and really just one of the most miserable seasons in recent memory. With how much hope that you know the team and the fans and everyone had coming into this year, and to have such disappointment and still go 8-8, eight eight, I think it shows that there is talent on this roster. And Certainly there's not enough of it, and certainly there needs to be a lot more of an emphasis on things like scoring points for the offense, because they don't do that. Uh, Special teams consistently contributing in all phases of the game, not just being okay at coverage and not good at return, or being good at returning, but then terrible at uh, field goal kicking or punting. You know, it's got to all come together where you just really can rely on that unit. And this defense, like I said, they have a chance to get back to elite with the additions at corner, with the additions at pass rushing, those are probably two areas where the Bears could have really used some stiffening up, which they got. You can't really look at too many places. I mean, depth is maybe a concern at some spots, but no team's going to have perfect depth going into a season. Um, and I would say, again, going into the 2020 training part where OTAs and training camp will uh, take place as much as possible, depending on how things continue to develop with the COVID situation. But I would say uh, the Bears have certainly done their job this offseason and given themselves a chance. Even if it's not been perfect, I would have liked a quarterback being drafted personally. But overall, you feel that all the positions that we looked at last year as huge red flags, there are some answers now provided by Ryan Pace through free agency and the draft. So, 
Bears fans, hope you enjoyed this uh, draft process. It was a lot of fun to watch, dissect, and break down the most watched draft, and it was virtual, really uh, interesting, and certainly seems like uh, as a country, as a, as a globe and a world, we were uh, in need of a little bit of a distraction, and, and certainly the NFL draft was able to provide that. From now on, just uh, stay tuned to We Are Regal Radio for my stuff and, of course, all the other terrific uh, contributors and writers. And then, of course, make sure you continue to check out the Dean Davis Show, Dean Davis The Flip, where you can get all types of uh, sports conversation as well as just general life conversation. So we got a little bit of everything. And really, all, all you got to do, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever you like, Type in D and Davis, and we should pop up, and you can see uh, all the terrific stuff that we have. And, of course, you can always find our stuff on We Are Regal Radio as well. Uh, That's all I got for you guys. Stay safe, and uh, hopefully uh, football comes back sooner than later.